working drummer. Now kick it. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, serving up perspectives, experiences, and stories from ground-level working pros. Advice, tips, and secrets on how to build a career in the music business. Hey everyone, I'm Zach Albetta, and welcome to Working Drummer Podcast. Today we're pleased to welcome Bob Knight to the podcast for the second time. I interviewed him about a year ago, and as soon as we were done, I was like, man, that's a guy I could keep talking to about damn near anything. He's just a funny, smart dude who's really fun to talk with. If you didn't hear him on the first go-round, I recommend you check out episode 165 to hear about the London scene, Bob's background, and his dual career as a player and band contractor, or what they call a fixer in the UK. There were some aspects of his career that we didn't cover last time, and some goings-on in the years since we talked, so I thought it'd be a good time to get him back on. If you want to support what we do here at Working Drummer, it's easy. Just go to workingdrummer.net, and along the right side of the homepage, you'll see buttons for PayPal and Patreon. Every donation in any amount is greatly appreciated. You can also contact us through that website or through social media. We dig it when you stay in touch with us about how we're doing. And if you think we're doing good stuff, leave us a rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, or YouTube. If YouTube is becoming your listening platform of choice, we are periodically dropping archived episodes there 10 at a time. So that's an easy way for you to get caught up on past episodes or revisit your favorites. And lastly, if you haven't checked out our 200th episode yet, an audio version is now available for stream or download. We had a great time doing that live event, and we hope you'll check it out. Drumming is too strenuous to ignore what you're sitting on, and if you've experienced pain or fatigue in your back, pelvis, or shoulders, the Motion Pro Throne is your solution. As a drummer, you put a lot of thought into your equipment, and no piece of gear is more important to the longevity of your career and the quality of your playing than your drum throne. Developed and researched by a chiropractor and a group of professional drummers, the Motion Pro Throne features a split seat which allows the tailbone to hang without compressing the spine, combined with spring suspension which creates reciprocating motion between the two sides of the pelvis. How did you feel when you stood up from the kit after your last gig? Go to motionpro.org and see what their spinal glide technology can do for you. Motion Pro Drum Thrones, supporting you from the bottom up. And Motion Pro will be at NAMM this weekend, so if you'll be there too, go check them out at booth number 7436. So here we go. Hope you enjoy round two with Bob Knight. What happens work-wise there in January? Because here is pretty fucking completely dead, you know, unless... <laughs> Unless you know you're going to be on tour, and you know that in October, right? Right, you know? right. It's the same. It's the same here. It's it's kind of typically dead. Um, all the uh, you know all the stuff that kind of keeps you busy week to week goes away. The the corporate gigs, the club gigs. Um, there's yeah, exactly. Same. I guess it's the same everywhere, right? No, yeah. no one's got any money, and, and nobody's going out, so no one's coming to see you, and all that stuff. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Although I I gotta say this. Uh, my January, February this year is like still not great, but but shaping up to be quite a bit better than than last year. I think in years past, like my first couple of years in Atlanta, it was just it was a ghost town. There were like tumbleweeds across my my calendar. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> it was pretty dark. Well, that snow blindness, right? <laughs> right. Um, but uh, but this year there's there's a couple things here and there, um, just in town. Um, and uh, going on a little weekend trip in February for a couple gigs. Um, nothing super high profile. Just uh, 
I think I think it's a Valentine's Day thing in Louisiana. Um, cool. Sounds romantic. Yeah. <laughs> if you uh, if you knew the guys I was playing with, it, it's it's not romantic at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the Equinox Orchestra, which I, I went on tour with for a couple months uh, in 2017, I think it was. Yeah, um, and I love those guys. It's it's like a ten piece uh, Harry Connick Jr. kind of kind of outfit. Um, oh, oh, I think I might be mentioning it. Yeah, that's nice yeah, fun. yeah. It's a fun it's a fun band, but uh, but no romance in that group. <laughs> Just bro, man. Right. Ex- of- oh man, here we bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new one on me. I like it. I'm stealing it immediately. <laughs> Good. I stole it from uh, a, a lady. I overheard it from in a coffee shop. I think so. Feel oh, free. Okay. Um, what's your uh, January February looking like? Quiet. Yeah. It's pretty quiet. Yeah. Yeah. We just had another little girl. Uh, oh, congratulations, uh, man! Thanks, man. Eight weeks ago. So it's it's pretty quiet, sort of by design, but but like it's not like I'm turning anything massive down. Right. Um, um, my wife's going back to work. She's a harpist, I don't know if you remember. So she's, she starts a show at the National Theatre, which wow. is down on the South Bank. She starts back in two weeks. So I'm going to be uh, picking up some dad points mm-hmm. and a few other bits and bobs. But it's all right. I'm going to Abu Dhabi on Monday for a week to do some corporate stuff. Cool. Which is like t- corporate team building things. It's all a bit weird. But it's, huh. um, it's actually quite good fun. But... Um, and it involves playing and fucking around and right. writing songs for people that don't know anything about songs and stuff. <laughs> um, perfect for a drummer. And then a few bits and bobs, a couple of gigs around town and some other stuff. And I'm mostly just building this new studio, which has kind of been monopolizing my January so far. Yeah, tell me about that, because I think the, the last time we talked was was almost a year ago. And uh, and you mentioned that that was going to be in in the works. So so what's uh, what's going on in the new studio? Last there? time, last time I spoke to you, I, I just I got a, I got a room in a massive building, right? Um, where loads of other people have their studios, um, and it's just kind of like old industrial space. Mm-hmm. So and it worked out great. But like I, I started there last February, and just. And maybe in October, we found out that they're going to knock it down and make it into expensive living accommodation for wealthy people, uh-huh. um, along with that whole borough, pretty much, or that whole part of town. Wow. Um, so since then, I had a bit of a panic and then looked at some various places. There's not that many places left in London where you can play drums and, you know, that don't constitute a real studio and found, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds. Right. Um, but then a friend of mine has um had built like a summer house type thing in their garden mm-hmm. which they did and they never finished it so i had mentioned i think i mentioned online i'm looking for a new spot and they sent me a message saying oh i got a thing that i never finished come and have a look at it and it's it's perfect it's cool. like eight by eight meters and um brick built completely uh detached and, wow. and with no no buildings either side so you got so, yourself uh, a bunker yeah, man. Yeah, I think it's a bit. It's, um, yes, it's mental. So just been painting, and then contractors are in doing the flooring today, and then I'm going to start sort of internal soundproofing and stuff. But I mean, it, I'm not going to record there. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to practice. So it doesn't need to be silent, like silent, silent. Right. It just needs to be enough not to ruin my friends' neighbors' lives. <laughs> right. So uh, speaking of recording, like it, it seems like. You, uh, the the picture that we we painted last time you talked like the majority of your career is 
live playing. Like you book live bands, you play in live bands, you do TV bands, you do touring. Um, mm -hmm. to, to what extent have you gotten into the session game and, and to what extent do you care? Uh, I, I mean, I've made some records, but not very many, mm -hmm. but, uh, but, well, not what I would call very many, mm -hmm. but I, uh, so there's a few guys that call me from time to time. Right. I mean, I've been to, you know, I've, I've been to Abbey road and made a record and I've been to angel and I've been to, um, air and you know like most of the big studios and my brother runs a studio in town you know here so obviously i've done like quite a lot of library things and stuff like that but i mean i'd be lying i wouldn't consider myself like a, a, a recording guy but only because to consider myself a recording guy i'd expect to be in the studio at least three times a week right that, that people listen to but i'm from looking at instagram and knowing people and knowing what they say they do online I'm starting to think maybe I am a recording jumper, but maybe I'm a Formula One driver and a professional footballer as well. Like, you know, <laughs> I bought the shirt. It's, do you know what I mean? Like, every, every everybody I see says, great session. I'm like, well, who was it with? When's it out? Can I hear it? Right. And I'm not sure what constant, you know what I mean? In my mind, I want to be Jeff Beccaro or JR at about sort of 1983. Right. That's a, is that's you know, and I'll tell you who I listened to your podcast with um, Dylan uh, Dylan Wissing, uh, Wissing, yeah, and that's really interesting to hear. I liked listening to him talking about how he moved across and all that, and like this new place I'm building is big enough that I'll have all my gear. You know, when I see his pictures on Instagram um, and his videos, he's like he's just some, him surrounded by mountains of gear, which right. is basically my new place will be. Um, mm. So I could set it up to record. Uh, I, I, I don't really know is that like is the demand there are there that many when i turn on the radio are there that many songs with real drums on not that many right. i don't think like i don't know i'd be interested i'd love to talk to somebody like dylan and say like how many records did you make this year and yeah i mean he's obviously making it work mm -hmm. in my you know it, it's, i don't know how much of a 24 7 kind of occupation it is or whether it's stuff on this you know bits on the side or i don't know i right. don't know i'm not is the honest answer so yeah i mean I'll it's kind of people ask me but it's it's been on my mind lately because I, I think for someone like dylan um it is it is pretty 24 7 like playing drums on records uh is like how he makes his living um but you know i i've just been thinking about my career thus far and it's like the vast majority of it has been live playing um and uh, like you, I see I see all kinds of people on Instagram, like Session Today, doing the tracking, blah, blah, blah. Um, but and, you know, doing session work is fun. It's challenging. It's cool. But as far as like paying your bills, um, I don't know, like, I, mean, you, I, yeah. I, I don't know how much of a demand there is for it. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering if I should just lean into a legacy of live playing and, yeah. uh, uh, you know, not not worry so much about the. Um, what what people think the, of the, the upper labels. echelon is, uh, of studio work. I just think it's it's the labels, isn't it? Mm -hmm. like, and I don't mean record labels. I right. mean like sticky labels with things written. Like if I say I'm a recording drummer, am I now a recording drummer because I've said it and taken some pictures? Or yeah. like if I spend forty grand on my, or maybe not forty grand, but you know, on mics and outboards and in, and plugins and everything else, and then say you can have Bob Knight play on your record. And it's 300 quid a track or 500 quid a track, whatever people, you know, whatever's marketable. 
and you'll get four four takes flat and you can mix them and stuff yourself. Like, am I going to get 10,000 emails going, fuck, I've always wanted you to play my record. Right. This is amazing. Right. Or am I going to spend more money advertising it on Instagram, ringing people up, telling people and, and going, oh, you know, I'd love to play on your tracks, which obviously I would love to. If you're listening, I'd love to play on your tracks. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to play on people's tracks. Do you know what I mean? But what, what's the re, what, I don't know. I, I don't know what the reality of it is. And right. I know people who spent a lot of money and built studios and they're all still doing gigs and touring right. and they, and they're, and so, so I don't know. I'm not, uh, yeah. Yes. I like doing it. Yes. It's good fun. Um, and I know what to do and I, and, you know, mm-hmm. I can, I can, you know, I can do it. Right. Um, I, I have done it. You could hear them, but I, I, I couldn't say this is all I do now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this, this studio you're building is going to be like primarily a practice studio or rehearsal space. Um, a practice studio, just some, just somewhere that's mine. Like I'm going to, I've split a little bit off it so I can set up a desk in an office and just listen to tunes and run the, run my agency and, uh, and, and deal with my own admin and bullshit like everyone has to do. Right. And pay my taxes. Right. Of course. Um, <laughs> You, pay, you have to pay your tax in January in England, so that's what's on my. It's on. It's on oh, every self-employed musician's mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the other side, I'll have all my gear. It'd be nice to have all my gear out and set up. I'm going to rack, put a load, get a load of racking, and uh, get all my snare drums and yeah. Remember what I've got. I'm probably going to sell a bunch of shit that I haven't played because I've got stuff that I haven't. I've got two of some stuff because I'm an idiot, and I've got other <laughs> stuff. That I've, never played. Like oh, I found, you know, when I moved into the one I'm in now, it's like, oh, cool, four or two. Oh, cool. A four or two. Oh, cool. Oh, shit. Why have I got the same drum three times? So I'm just going to, yeah, just get, I'm just going to enjoy having a bit of space and not worry too much about trying it, it, it trying to be like a moneymaker or, a, you know, like, oh, you, you can rent it out to teach or you can rent it out to rehearse with your band. I'm just going to be a bit selfish for once and just go, no, nah, fuck right. off. It's mine. Um, <laughs> come, on, come on, hang out. There's a beer fridge. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just go for that vibe for now for six months or so and then and then in six months if i feel like you know i want to push online sessions whatever they are or mm-hmm. i want to push rehearsing or i want to push teaching then then i'm you know yeah it's liquid in it i don't right. i don't have to call it anything so right that's so, kind of my vibe at the moment last time we talked you you had uh you'd just kind of gotten into your old space which is now being yeah. knocked, knocked down but but you mentioned that you kind you finally had some space and time to practice um and yeah. you were talking about you know experimenting with different setups like three up one down um you talked about kind of embracing your right-handedness uh and and yeah. leaning into that and just exploring you know the depths of groove and new ways of playing time um so did that uh were you were you able to invest that time that that uh, you wanted to and yeah. what came out of it because i had because i had a kit set up permanently um, and I've been using the EAD, you know, the Yamaha thing. Yeah, I want to talk to you more about that. That's awesome. Um, so, uh, so because of that, I just kept one kit permanently set up. So I am now predominantly three up, two down. Three up, two fuck down. It, why not? <laughs> you know, you've got to put your drink somewhere. Right. Um, so yeah, I've been three up, two down, and uh, and just really enjoying it. Like so much so that I've even been carrying it around and doing it on gig. Wow. Like I just. Yeah, it's just it feels good. Like I'm not playing any more notes than I was playing on one up, one down. Uh-huh. Um, just got some more tonal choices. 
feels good, uh, feel comfortable sitting behind a kit that size. And, um, yeah, it's pretty badass. I mean, you know, it, without sounding like a dickhead, it's like, it's quite badass. I yeah, like it. It looks fun. I'm not conforming to everybody else. You know, everything, everything else is still one up, one down or one up, two down in a kind of like, well, this is what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, unless you're playing loads of chops and then you can have a massive kit. And it's like, well, I'm not playing loads of chops, but fuck it. I own all these drums. Might as well hit them. <laughs> right, right. Um, it's a challenge for me when I get on a bigger set uh, to not play more notes and to not try to cover more real estate. You should just do what I do and limit your facility. Um, and that way it doesn't make it, I can't play any more than I'm playing. So it's fun. You know, don't talk to me about busy. I'm playing as much as I can. Um, uh, that's great. I just like it. You know, it just, I don't know. It just feels, it feels comfortable. It feels natural. And you know, if it's good enough for Jeff, it's good enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. What about, uh, what about just exploring groove and time? How has that evolved over the last year for you? Uh, I've just tried to be more confident, I think, more than anything. I kind of realized from watching loads of things and worrying about things, I realized there's no point worrying. And just if, if you, if I play committed, uh, both in terms of time and pocket, uh, and if I really concentrate on consistency, like terms of sound and also performance, people seem to react quite well to the fact that you're like, turned up and didn't like creep in or didn't try and show off if you just lay it down super super solid and super hip and look at people while you're playing people go hey this is a badass right well maybe not but thanks very much (laughs) do you know what i mean yeah i've actually i actually just spent quite a lot of time just playing just playing time and um not uh, trying not to overthink it because i think i might have overthought things in the past right uh i'm worried a bit too much and, and and actually tried to be a bit more confident in performance um yeah and, and it you, seems, seems to be working pretty well i mean just i'm genuinely just enjoyed that like 2018 i just genuinely enjoyed playing yeah like i just had i didn't i didn't have any massive moments of like oh fuck maybe i'm terrible or <laughs> or anything and i think it predominantly came from having a place that i could go and just play whenever i felt like it which mm-hmm. i'd never had before since yeah. i was 16 you know and that's why i was really keen to find a new spot because at one point, I was looking like I couldn't find anywhere. And I was thinking, well, I'll just put everything back in storage, keep a drum cut under the stairs. And, you know, I'm busy gigging enough that I'll still be playing, so it'll be fine. Right. And I was like, no, I don't want to go back to that because that was what made me overthink things in the first place. Yeah. Now, if I think it, I just go and play and then go, oh, I didn't need to worry about that. It's fine. Right, right. You it's know? cool what you said about about other musicians responding to how you play because – uh, you know, I think we've we've said that on the podcast in in a number of different ways, but um, it, it seems like other musicians respond to drummers' um, overall sound and overall presence more than they respond to a drummer's exact content. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, like the 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 battle with chops and independence and all that shit. That's that's content driven to me. Um, and yeah. it sounds like you, you just spent some time focusing on, on your sound and like how, how you fill up a room and how you meet another musician's ears. Um, and they yeah. responded to it. Yeah, totally. It just, I just thought, what do I like when I play with other people? What do I like when I, in a guitar player? What do I like in a bass player? Like just like commitment, tone and communication. Right. It's just like, all right, well. 
maybe I can just, you know, I think I've always been all right at that kind of stuff. That's mm-hmm. why, you know, I've hopped from, I've hopped from so many, from one gig to another so many times and, and done so many like pickups and stuff without rehearsals and all that kind of stuff that I think I've kind of like, I think I always knew that anyway. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I think maybe I, I already had, it was a skill set I already had. I just maybe wasn't focusing on it in my downtime, you know, as much as maybe I could because, because, you know, if you walk in a room full of people and you don't know anybody and they all know the music and you don't, you can't be like, uh, how, how's this bit go? You've kind of just got to embrace the fuck it. This is how it goes. Right, you know? right. And, and, and if you do it, I find if you do it with that attitude, most people are like, man, it sounds dope. Even if you miss the hit even there or, oh, this should be a bass drum on the end of three. Like nobody, if, if it feels good and you look like you fucking mean it. Right. Because you do. Right. Then everyone, then people go, oh, I think he missed a bass drum. I don't care. Sounds killing. Right. Like, and it's then like, you're into it's the like riding. It's like being a passenger in a car with someone who you've never driven with before. Like within within the first half yeah, right. mile, you kind of get a sense of like how you know how this person drives. Like, are they familiar with this car? Do they know how to operate it? Do they know where they're going? Um, and sometimes yeah. you know, sometimes that's a really relaxing ride, and sometimes you're on edge for yeah, the whole much. time. <laughs> Pretty much none of the above if you get in a car with me. But that's <laughs> I, I used to think I was good at driving, but um, then I realized I wasn't. But I still like it. Well, everybody so, yeah. thinks they're good at driving. I'm, I'm glad you realized you didn't. When I hit the lamppost, I realized I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, shit. Am I supposed to be spinning? Uh, Is that coming towards me quite quickly? <laughs> Pow. So tell me about this this Yamaha EAD because you mentioned it in passing last time we talked, um, and just t- yeah, t- talk a little I, bit about what that is and, and how you use it. It's just a little unit. Remember that I'm terrible with technology and stuff. It's just a little unit that's, that's full of effects and processes and things, and then and then and it connects to a, a little box that you screw on the bass drum hoop. That's basically a sort of stereo uh, paired microphones mm-hmm. and. If you fuck about with the um, settings enough uh, in, the, in the right way, it, it 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 mics your whole kit, and you can compress it enough so even if you've got five toms, the, the, like because the twelve generally is sitting above where the mic is, mm-hmm. you can you can level it out so everything sounds even. It gets all your symbols. You can change loads of stuff on it so you can make them sound like you can change all the reverbs. You can change like even you can. It's got a trigger in the bass drum. It's got, and you can add extra pads, snare trigger and stuff. So you can make it sound like a 909 or an 808 or whatever you want to do. I don't really fuck around with that bit too much. I just use (laughs) it to hear my drums beautifully. Uh, I run out of it into a little mini desk and then I just run my tracks at a Dropbox or whatever in, you know, iTunes or whatever I'm using into the desk and I can mix my total, my full drum kit against the audio or against the click or whatever I'm practicing. Um, super cheap, super effective. Sounds amazing. You can record into it and listen back to yourself. So you can, you show, you know, and obviously it's got a metronome and all that kind of shit that all those things have got, mm-hmm. which isn't great, you know, which isn't groundbreaking, but it's very helpful. Yeah. And then it, there's an app and you can use it to record yourself and upload videos to the worldwide watching forums of how brilliant or bad you are or whatever you know but it, like the app's amazing you can you know it uses your telephone yeah. it's audio right. so if you've got a good phone you shoot great video 
but obviously if you're recording drums on an iPhone, it sounds like crap. Right. But this will, this will take the audio from the EAD matched with the picture from your camera. So you don't have to fuck about with zooms and GoPros and, and like editing it afterwards and all that oh, kind of stuff. You can just, just, yeah, you can just edit the, the footage right. and then it's like, do you want to put it on Facebook? Do you want to put it on Instagram? Click the button and then everyone can tell you you suck or right. you're amazing. <laughs> But it, I, I think it's, I, I mean it's just I just use it as a, in terms of practice, and it means I can practice on my in ears all the time, mm-hmm. so that I don't get massively fatigued. Right. You know, because if I'm in a you know small space or whatever, playing drums all day, you send the sound from the EAD just right into your ears. Yeah, 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 and then and then just mix it with a little mixer against like if I'm playing along to tracks on Spotify or tracks I need to learn for a show or right. somebody you know somebody sends me a gig like say uh when i did james arthur they could they send me they can mute they can send me front of house mix with the click but mute the drums and then i can just mix myself into the gig practice learn all the shit and then just get on the get on the plane go and do the gig oh that's so cool so i've so i've played along with the exact arrangements and the exact musicians that i'm gonna play with when, when i get to the show that's happening where i, I was adept so no no rehearsal and all that kind of shit. So you right. don't use, I know exactly what I'm walking into and I've been able to practice it, you know, the correct way. Yeah. That's awesome. Which is big. Yeah. Which is, so it's wicked. And that's predominantly what I use it for. But, but I mean, I know some people who use them on gigs, like smaller sort of, uh, yeah, club I've, seen, gigs and stuff. I've seen some people just using it as their drum mic for live sound, like in a, in yeah. a you know, it, it won't fill up a huge room, but if you're just in a club, um, yeah, totally. as long as you're not, as long as you're far enough away from the bass amp, yeah. Then well, it doesn't, and it, and it's you know it's close mic condenser, whatever you call it. I don't know about all that stuff, but yeah, uh, or I don't know as much as I should. But it, you know, you've got to be very close to it for every, for everything else to go down it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's wicked, and it's pretty cheap. I think yeah. it's like five hundred quid or whatever. Like, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. I, you know, and the other thing I think you could do with it is like if you had a crappy drum kit, and you can't, you know, and you're like, oh, that's my dream drum kit, but it's five thousand bucks. Right. Like if you get one of these, you can you can make any, and you're rehearsing, you know, you're practicing on ears or headphones. You can make your crappy drum sit sound amazing, mm-hmm. which is way, which is quite an inspiring thing. You know, if you're a kid and you're like, all I've got is this Pearl Export and it's crap. Yeah, but you, you can stick this on it. It's got loads of useful features, but one of which is your crappy drum kit. Now you can you can make it sound any way you want. Right, right, and it's you know the inbuilt ele- effects. Electronic drum kits have had that capability for a long time, but they feel like shit. Um, yeah, and I mean that's what they call it, the EAD, ele- electroacoustic drums. Yeah, that's very cool. I think, I think that's what it stands for. I might have just yeah. made. I'd be good if it, if I did make it up. I'm having it, and if I didn't, sue me. Um, <laughs> Um, so, uh, I've been, I've been following your Instagram, uh, since we talked last and it looked like in 2018, you did kind of a little series on Instagram highlighting the, the bassists that you would play oh, with, yeah. or, or at least some of your favorites. Um, that was, a very that, was cool... a, that was every bass player that I played it. I didn't miss Man. any hours. I thought that might be mean. <laughs> right, right. That's great. Um, so talk, talk about a, a few of those guys that, uh, that you played with, who were, who were some of your favorites and, and, and what did they bring to, uh, to the gig uh well some of them i played with a lot some of them would, were just one-offs right um, and some I'm of them were like the first time you'd met them right yeah absolutely a couple of club gigs and stuff i played with a guy called uh i know luigi cost oh, i've got to get it right uh casanova that's how I, 
That's mm. a good name, isn't it? Luigi Casanova. Man. And he was killing. And that was just a club gig over in East London. Um, he was great. And really, that was really good fun. And then other people I play with a lot. My friend Dave Troke is on there. In fact, I think he was first and last, so which means I played with him at some point in January last year. Oh, cool. And then uh, we did New Year's Eve together this year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's great. He's uh, now uh, he plays with a uh, Beverly Knight. I don't know if you know Beverly Knight over there, but she's I an don't. amazing soul singer. Hmm. And um, I know that he's going to do a massive tour this year, but I don't know if I'm allowed to tell you who it's with because right. I don't know if everybody knows yet. Right. So. Um, I don't want to drop him in the ship. Yeah, but there are um, there are some ladies involved in it anyway. Um, but Dave's great. Uh, there's a good we have we've been doing a lot of stuff. We did um, a girl called Sheridan Smith, who was supposed to do a tour with him in March this year, and I'm waiting for it to get confirmed. But um, we did a TV special, and we did a bunch of uh, other stuff with her. Uh, Dave and I have done a lot of stuff together. He, we did that Elvis tour that I did back in 2000 and whenever it was together. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's a wicked guy. Really good fun. Um, trying to, I can't, without looking, I can't even remember who else was on there. But um, I just thought that it was a like because Instagram is also look at me, look at me. Yeah, I thought it was just, it, it, it was a kind of slightly clever way of saying look at me and what all the things that I've been doing. But also, yeah, via looking at these other guys who you might right. not know, might be interested to check out, and maybe you'll want to follow their shit mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, and I love bass and uh, and all that kind of, you know, low end nonsense. And they always seem to be nice people. So, it. Um, yeah, they yeah. do always seem to be Just nice people. Like I, I can think of one or two exceptions I've come across in my career. But well, bassists, there's always an exception to the rules. <laughs> but yeah, bassists in general just seem to be like affable, solid people for some reason. Yeah, yeah right. Um, yeah. Wh- what are yeah, your? All, lo- all lovely. Yeah, no, no, no bad experiences. I didn't play with anybody and, and and be like, man, I can't wait for this gig to finish. Or, right, you know. Um, but yeah, I just thought I just thought it would be a fun way of like documenting a year's worth of gigs without being too me centric um, and just kind of you know. Yeah, and that's refreshing on on uh, social media. I've I've tried to do a, a little bit of the same thing, just kind of you know give a shout out and give some love to people i'm playing with who i really like playing with you know yeah right um and it uh i I haven't really done any research to see if it gets a you know more response or a better response than your your average look at me post but it just feels better (laughs) yeah me i i think it definitely feels better i'm still i'm still still at odds with the whole look at me look at me but i know i have to embrace it because if, because it, you know, I know people who are embracing it, and it has worked. So right. I think, like, if you have a quality product, uh, you know, in your playing, um, then it's kind of foolhardy not to embrace a medium which has a huge audience, where it, it might generate work, or somebody might see your playing and go, "Oh, that's cool." Right. But at the same time, and I don't know if it's just—I used to think it was just a British thing, but I don't think it is. It's just a humility thing. At the same time, there's something incredibly jarring about standing at the top of a mountain and shouting, look at me, I'm the fucking ball! <laughs> when, when you're just doing, you know, what you're doing essentially is your job. Right. Like playing playing the fucking drums, you know, playing the, playing the normal drum. Um, but, you know, I think yeah. it's hard, isn't it? Because I, I want everyone to look at me and tell me I'm brilliant, but mm-hmm. I don't want to have to ask them to look at me and tell me I'm brilliant. Because... Yeah. Because that's fucking weird. But actually, that's that's where we're at, isn't it? That's right. And if I don't tell people, how will they know? 
because everyone's too busy looking at each other, you know, looking at themselves. Right. You have to get in. You have to get in there and like fight for some eyeballs. Um, Yeah. If if you don't, they're not going to come to you. They're you know, the eyeballs just take in whatever is put in front of them. They don't often go looking for things. Um, So I I wanted to ask you. It's so short. Oh, yeah. It's it's nuts. And I'm like, I'm susceptible to it too i i feel like my attention span is is getting shorter and i don't like it um yeah me too i got off facebook i'm i'm off facebook and and just do instagram um but uh lately i feel like like you know a couple years ago my father-in-law quit smoking cigarettes he was he was smoking like a couple of packs a day he quit smoking cigarettes but then he started smoking cigars like Ah, a couple okay. of those a day. And I feel like that's kind of what I'm doing with social media. Like I quit Facebook, but I'm doing more Instagram and I've got yeah. to regulate it somehow. I'm guilty as well. So yeah. I, I hate uh, it. I can't, but I'm too scared to dump it all. Yep. Yep. That's the relationship. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you as, as like a, as a music director and a, and a fixer, what relationship do you have with social media? Like if you're, if you're looking at someone that you're thinking about hiring, you know, to what extent does their social media presence factor into your decision-making? It didn't use to so much. And now it does. Mm. I use it all. The, I, I would say I do use it all the time. Now this, I used to keep, I do keep a database on my computer of stuff that people send me and all that kind of shit. But mm. to be honest, people aren't very good at updating you and people don't want to hassle you. And, and, and also you don't want thousands of hundreds of people emailing you every day, sending you shit, mm-hmm. but people update their social media, like almost drone, like don't they like yeah. another picture of me, another mm-hmm. picture of me. I had my haircut. I bought some new shoes. I know I got another guitar, another guitar, <laughs> another guitar. Here's my snare drum. But actually for me, it's like if someone says, oh, I need a bass player for such and such, and uh, can you send me a picture? But I don't have to phone them up. I don't have to go. Oh, what's your latest picture? I know what. I know where to look. I know what the latest shit is. Right. So it, I suppose I hate it. Pains me to say that actually it's very helpful. And if I'm looking for somebody for something specific, I don't have to call someone up, tell them they're in the frame, tell them I'm looking at them, and then see their stuff and go, Oh God, you're awful. And then they text me or call me for the next two years going, ah, oh, you called me about that gig. And I sent you my stuff and I hadn't heard anything. It's like, oh, you were blowing in the wrong end of the bass drum. You know, <laughs> it, um, so I, I, I suppose it allows me a level of anonymity where I can just right. kind of float about, look at stuff and see what I mean. Some people put up some utter shit, don't they? Why yeah. would you? Or they leave up some stuff. He's like, dude, the playing on this is terrible. Just take it down. Like maybe you put it up for a reason. Like it, it's four months old now and it's, right. and it's terrible. Like just, there's a delete button, but people <laughs> seem to forget that, you know? Right. Right. In addition to, you know, someone's appearance and someone's playing and, and these kind of things you have to know, does their social media presence clue you in as to, you know, their personality, their judgment, uh, you know, what it's going to be like to be on a bus with them or, you know, in, 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 I, I ask because in a, I, I read an interview you did a, a while ago and you talked about social awareness when it comes to people you hire and people you send yeah. on gigs. Um, how does that I factor probably, in? It does factor in. And I probably wouldn't put anybody on a long tour that I didn't already know or hadn't already hung out with or mm-hmm. at least asked other people who'd been on buses and like, I wouldn't just put a maniac on a bus to make 10% because it, ultimately they'll only last a short amount of time. And right. then someone will get up and go like, this guy's a smackhead or this guy's a 
lunatic or what do you know what i mean yeah so so i am quite careful with that but most people give it away via you know if everything's very much like narcissistic and then on their on their socials then it's pretty apparent that that's how they're going to be right you know to me anyway Mm -hmm. and that and so that's very unappealing yeah and also you know how many posts you know if they make 30 posts a day then that then that immediately tells me they spend at least two hours a day staring at their phone, which is right. fucking annoying if you're on a bus. Right. At the, you know, at the very low end of it, and at the mm-hmm. top end of it, that they probably don't spend enough time with their instrument or other stuff. You know. Yeah. So I kind of have to read between the lines because nobody's really being that real, are they? But yeah. You know, if there's millions of pictures of like just being drunk as fuck, like throwing up everywhere and stuff like all right cool you might not be the right you might not be the right drummer for this 17 year old female solo singer you know <laughs> yeah because yeah. it's because the people you know it's all there isn't it like there's loads of bongs in the background and stuff. <laughs> it's, it's um i don't know i think it, de- it depends what you what people are using it for and what you want to get out of it but you can give a lot away about your about yourself without anybody without knowing that anybody's looking for those kind right. of things right right um, and something I kind of, well, I don't wrestle with it, but I'm aware of it. Like some people's Instagram is just all music. And sometimes it's the same shot over and over and over again. They'll do like a different thing every day in their studio and, and whatever. Um, but the, the people that I follow that, you know, I like following it's, you know, it's kind of a cross section of their life. There's some music stuff. There's some stuff with their wife. They're on vacation. They're at a party They're, You know, it's yeah, like you're, right. you're a human being. I see that you're, <laughs> you I don't know. see. I, I kind of put on my human being stuff on Facebook and keep it yeah. private. Right, I don't right. put any pictures of my children or anything on Instagram because mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure that they, people, if people wanted to steal them from Facebook, they could, but at least, at least there's one layer of, security yeah so and 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 so i'm definitely guilty of lots of pictures of a drum kit but at the same time i'm i'm acutely aware that the people i who give me inst- my instruments I, I want to know how many people are looking at those pictures and they want to know how many likes they got ultimately right, right. so you know apologies now for the, the <laughs> for the various pictures of my drum kits but it, that's kind of where it's i kind of keep my instagrams i mean it's usually quite um flippant and i'm usually being taking a piss or fucking around there's usually a degree of fun like i'm not taking myself too seriously but at the same time there, there are a lot of pictures of drums and not a lot of pictures of uh uh family stuff or parties and things like that right um, right but i i did i made a conscious decision to do that because i am aware like of the i don't have that many followers or anything but i'm aware that the majority of them i don't really know yeah. So I, I sort of immediately, I first, first hand, I first place, I assume they don't give a fuck about what I had for dinner or that my little girl's awesome, mm-hmm. you know, or that the babies just share everywhere. Um, <laughs> I, I figure they're probably only looking at it because I play the drums or right. because I book gigs or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, but I mean, maybe I'm making the wrong assumptions. If you follow me on Instagram and you want to see a picture of my dinner, send me a message and I'll, um, <laughs> I'm duly obliged. Of right. Things. Right. But well, you know, I, I think, you know what you I mean? Know, so. Different people want different things out of, out of social media. And I, I think, uh, it just depends on what, what you want out of it and what you feel comfortable and good contributing to it. Um, yeah. and, and you'll attract okay. the followers that are interested in that. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, yeah 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 i mean i i i'd love to be 
I mean, ultimately, I just like I just like it to be funny. But I'm not well, sure a lot of it is. is. A lot of it is really but, hilarious. Like your your the little fake bios you write for all the bassists that you. <laughs> oh, they're all real, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember. I don't remember the guy's name, but he was a particularly young bassist, and you were like, "So and so was born in 2012," and <laughs> I think that might be Linus. Yes, <laughs> he's a very good bass player. He's. Uh, He's touring with a girl called J- I might get this wrong, so sorry, Linus. Jade Bird, I think it's her name, hmm. uh, and he's busy with her. Well, yeah, I did some gigs with, with Linus in the summer for a girl called Megan McKenna, who is a, a reality TV show star here in the uh-huh. UK, yeah. um, and she made a record in Nashville. And I obviously was expecting it to be horrendous, but actually, she was very, very good. Good. I was. Oh yeah, I was really like. Why were you expecting it to be horrendous? Very, well, because she's she's famous for like arguing and um, getting pissed on the TV, or maybe ah, not getting pissed, but you know, I see. she's not she's she's not famous for being a musician or or, or singer, right? But, I, but actually, that's her main passion, and it turns out she's like brilliant, and she was lovely, so I had a really wow. nice time. All right, um, yeah, cool. and the bass player was born in 2012. No, he wasn't. <laughs> he, he, he might as well have been. I felt right. quite old. Right, right. I'm not that old. This episode is brought to you by DrumSellers.com, the niche marketplace where drummers, drum retailers, and drum manufacturers buy and sell their gear. List your drums for sale for free, and the only fee is 4% if it sells. Simple. Check out all the new used vintage and custom drum eye candy at DrumSellers.com. Last time we talked, I neglected to, to ask you about playing with Sting. Um, and it's, I mean, it's something you've done quite a bit over the years, kind of on well, off. It's one of those, it's, it's one of, he's on the list of, uh, people I've almost played with. Um, because <laughs> in, in the UK, uh, the, uh, the, a lot of television programs are, um, to track. Uh huh. So, uh, I haven't, I wouldn't, I don't feel like I can say I've played with him. I've certainly hung out with him in various states of undress i stood next to him in my underpants and talked about football uh <laughs> and then and then pretended to play the the sideline miming as we call it here is a, it's a strange thing you know gotcha i didn't it's, i didn't realize yeah. it was just that kind of gig yeah it, it, that one like some of the people that, that i you know a lot of the tv shows here that's how they do them mm-hmm. for several reasons. First of all, financially, they don't want to fly a whole band in. Right. Second of all, there's some of them don't have this, like if X Factor or, or The Voice or whatever, they, it's only on one stage. So they don't have time to, to put a band in properly, you know, lines, mics, cables, and everything else. Right. Other times it's financial. They don't want to pay for rehearsals, that kind of stuff. But you'd be amazed the amount of, um, like, hoops, things you have to jump through. Uh, like how many, how much stuff I had to send to the label and to management to be approved to do that. Wow. Uh, and, you know, actual, so, and actual recordings and actual playing and, and they had to see my CV and, and YouTube links to me playing and all that kind of stuff right. to, to be allowed, to be allowed to do it. And obviously you have to not only learn a song like you would normally learn a song structure and all that kind of stuff, but you have to learn exactly what's happening. Right. You know, um, and so, so, and I don't really, I mean, I'll talk about it if people ask me about it, but I, I would never say, I would never pretend I did something I didn't do. And obviously if you look at a video, it looks like I'm playing and I'm there. Right. Uh, and actually you spend, I've spent more time learning that, especially that particular track with him. Cause obviously he's a hero and obviously I told him all that, but like, it, it's incredible 
like the detail that you have to go into and the amount of time you have to spend on it, like probably three times as much as I would have spent on it had I been playing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is quite frustrating really. And obviously it's quite frustrating to be in that situation. Um, because it's a kind of close, but no cigar type thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it's, and, and then, it, so, but at the same time, I have get to hung out with him a few times and, you know, he recognizes me if I, if he walks in the same room as me and that's, that's enough for me at right. this point. And maybe down the line, I'll get to play with him because the, I suppose the advantage I have over anyone else in the UK now is that if he comes here and for whatever reason something happens, they go, well, that's the only other drummer we know. Right, right, right. And we know that he, and we know him, and we know that we get on with him, and we know he can play because we saw all those fucking videos, hours of bullshit that he sent over. Right. So, and he did so a good it, job on the thing we hired him for already. So, you know what? I did such a good job, Zach, that I got <laughs> nailed on YouTube by people saying that I was shit. Uh, and that I was slowing down and all kinds really? of things. Yeah, because the, because that's the internet, isn't it? Like somebody yeah. said, who is this guy? Because obviously it was a UK show, Graham Norton show. It goes out in BBC America and everything. Yeah. Um, so somebody put it up because it's Sting and he has loads of fans. And then someone said, who is this? This isn't, this isn't, uh, um, uh, they said, this isn't Vinny. No right. shit, it's not Vinny. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this isn't so-and-so and, you know, and this isn't Josh Freeze. Um, um, so then someone else was like, yeah, uh, they must have been sick. And then someone else said, yeah, this guy blows. And then everyone goes, yeah, he's terrible. And then and then someone said, you can tell he's slowing down. Sting hates him. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. I, was, I, was like, I love the internet. It's amazing. But what they, like what they were hearing was a track of one of those it. guys, right? <laughs> they're hearing is what they're hearing is josh freeze playing live and, right. me, and, and me and me copying his every every single thing that he did to make it look realistic oh my god and, you know and everyone, the internet. it's a, just the worst isn't it because everyone's an expert but no one yeah. knows what they're talking about you know and i don't want to go out there and go well actually i'm not really playing that's just like you know what fuck it i'll just leave yeah it. yeah i mean i mean of all the i mean i've played with a lot of people as you know uh, we mentioned last time but like I've also not played with a lot of people, um, you know, in that, yeah. in that sense, you know, like I've, I've not, I've not played with, um, George Benson. Mm -hmm. uh, I've not played with, uh, who else? God, there's fucking millions, but I can't remember off the top of my head, but you know, there's been, a, there's been a few where it's, you know, where it's like, can you come and do this TV gig and not play with someone, you know, you're like, yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, of course I can, but I'd, it'd be some. And everyone on the day is always like, "Go, oh, I wish we were playing." Like, right, we of can course. if you like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it, it's it, not. It, it's, it's not that much more work. Well, it's less work. Um, right. it's, just, it's just more. You need to employ more people, but right. it's less work for me to play it live. But you know, that said, I have played with a lot of. Uh, amazing people over the years and it's mm -hmm. and uh, you know and, and and often in those kind of situations but we have played it live you know like and i have done that show i did that show live with jennifer hudson i did that show live um with some major british acts and stuff um yeah. so it's you know it, it is doable if you if people are willing to take the risks and or spend the money but, right um, right Usually well, it's a label thing, and they, here they want everything to sound like the record. Whereas I think in America you're very used to it being a live performance. What's the risk involved? Well, that, that I suppose that it doesn't sound like the record, and someone buys the record and goes, "This doesn't sound like it did on the telly." I'm an idiot, right? right. You know, which is why I think more and more live gigs sound like 
the record. And that's why everyone's running track, right? Because they're not running track because they can't afford. Well, maybe they can't, but you know, the, I don't think people in, in integrated track into gigs to save money. I think they integrated track into gigs to make it sound like the record, and then. Yeah. Actually, if we're running all these tracks, why don't we save money and not bother having a nine-piece band? Let's yeah. just have dudes with nice hair. And um, I'm, I'm so I'm so against this, man. Like I I understand the desire to you know want to make things sound like the record, but to uh, you know to make them sound exactly like the record, I just you know to me, what's the point of coming the, to a live show? Yeah, you just know? put like, the record on in a big room and we're right. like. Sixty quid, like bollocks right. to that. Like right. I want to see an artist to be artistic, but yes. perhaps the problem that is that a lot of current day um, artists aren't very artistic. Perhaps they aren't very good at singing. Perhaps they mm. aren't very. They don't write their own songs. Perhaps they have no fucking stage presence. But perhaps their songs on the radio forty fucking times a day, mm-hmm. and and perhaps that if that's what people want to buy. Oh, I love those songs. I want to buy a ticket for that show. Right. Well, come along. We're just going to play the fucking record. Like, with a, <laughs> there's lights and screens. The music almost secondary, isn't it? Like, yeah. it's, you know, you can go to see an arena gig and there are no musicians and nobody's coming out going, uh, I want my fucking money back. Everyone's coming out going, yeah, it was amazing. And no, the confetti yeah. fell out of the sky. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what uh, I mean? They are. I'd be yeah. curious. Yeah. If I was a 12 year old boy, obsessed with the drums and i went to see a concert and there was no drummer i'd be furious yeah i'm going i know i I would have been i'm going through this with a student of mine now she's like uh she's into you know she brings in songs that she's into and they're all tracks they're all loops it's all you know computer generated electronic sounds and i finally asked her yesterday like you obviously like this song right but what do you like about the drum part in this song and she was like "Mm." you know like she couldn't really answer so I'm trying to get her to find some music with actual drums in it. And um, it's 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 weird, like, uh, kind of observing what young people's relationship to music is now. Because this girl loves drums. She's good at it. She loves yeah, right. playing. But what she's listening to, like, I don't envision a drummer, you know? I All yeah. I hear is a computer. Um, so no, anyway... Me it's we're we're uh we're on a get off my lawn soapbox here yeah but, uh, <laughs> um i tell you what i've been doing i did a bit of last year which i quite enjoyed was going to talk i did a couple of like playing masterclass things and a couple of sort of talk things mm-hmm. and, and and i realized from uh, asking the question what does everybody want to know about that predominantly all anybody really or the majority want that they don't really care, not care, but most drummers don't, aren't too interested in what you're playing mm-hmm. or, 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 well, they are interested in what you're playing. They're not interested, you know, is they mostly just want to know how to get a gig. Right. So I ended up, I ended up writing one called, how did they get, how did you get that gig? Uh, and so where I play tracks of stuff that I've either recorded or mostly that I play live. And then I tell, and then I tell the story of how I got that gig. Hmm. And, and because and it seemed to go down well and be more people it seemed to keep people engaged more than this is a paradiddle and I'm playing an ostinato with my bass drum or right. whatever because that seems to me to be the, that seems to be the main reason most people are on social media and that they, everybody wants everybody wants the gig like how did you get that gig and and I've seen interviews with 
drummers over the years and someone will say like hey you know the interview will start hey you've got the gig with so-and-so how did that happen and they sort of look up at the sky and go <laughs> yeah i'm just really lucky i think i know that guy no you're not you've been hustling like a motherfucker for like 15 years you right right so so i thought it would be more refreshing to just tell the tell the you know just to tell the truth like because yeah. some of the gigs i got were like we were pretty lucky some of them i tried really hard to get usually didn't get those ones mm -hmm. some of them the majority of them are, it's just people isn't it like it's yeah. just one one gig leads to another gig leads to another gig leads to another gig you know and then you don't hear from that person for 10 years and then oh hey you still playing well yep still breathing oh cool there's a gig oh great thanks very much right do you know what i mean so so i just and you can tell people it's it's who you know until you're blue in the face but i think with the sort of like real-time examples it, it kind of it kind of made a difference and it, and I got good feedback from it so I'm going to continue on the on the rare occasions that I'm asked to do those things to use that as a kind of my template yeah for the you know for for a two-hour sort of masterclass thing rather than you know oh I'm trying to this is what I'm working on at the moment right right and I think so many people uh you know invest a lot in um in like a home studio and a, and a social media presence um, because they think that's how you get a gig. Um, and in some cases it is, but I think more often than not, it's, it's about people, you know, it's about personal relationships because you spent time going out in public and hanging out with human beings. Um, yeah. and like for, and also for you, it's often not musicians. Like a lot of my work has come from, you know, weird, like weird places or like road crew or tour yeah. manager or production manager or studio manager. Uh, I said studio there, I was trying to be American. Um, <laughs> uh, or you're like, you know, a mate or someone I bought a snare drum off or just like just weird, you know, weird, weird things. Right. They just progressed. Like I just, we just wrapped in October. We did another, I did another TV show house band thing for an, actually it's only on in the UK, but the show is on all over the world. It's an NBC thing called uh, celebrity game night. I think yeah. It's I wanted to ask you about that. How'd you get that? And, gig? Uh, <laughs> so, well, I'll tell you, I got that gig through, it's the same production company that I did the Charlotte church TV show for like mm -hmm. 10 years ago. Same dudes, same everything. They just haven't, and they were like, oh, you know, you're still doing it? You're still up with that kind of thing? Like, yeah, absolutely. And I, and Charlotte Church was a big star here um, back in the day, and that was one of my first proper gigs. Mm -hmm. So I think I was 27 when I got that gig, 28. We did 30-odd episodes of her TV show with a house band. Um, and at that time, I was the, that made me the youngest MD in the history of British television, they told me afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, so, which probably still stands, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so it's the same company, you know, and I, and I had gotten, I got her gig. She wasn't, she didn't have a TV show when I got her gig. She had, she was an art, she had an artist deal mm -hmm. and I got her gig because I, uh, the very first thing I did when I left college, first proper gig, I was about 26, I think was, um, Alison Moyer. Um, and I did like four years with her, but the first tour we ever did with her her manager was also the press uh, guy, press uh, you know, press officer for Charlotte Church. Mm -hmm. So I just happened to say to him one day on the bus, like, "Oh, I heard her new single on the radio. Sounds cool. She had a kind of like soul Motown thing going on." Yeah, um, I was like, "Oh, what's happening with the band? Oh, she's got a band, you know." And then three or four weeks later, he was like, "Well, I share an office with the guy that manages her, and actually, the record label think the band aren't very good, so they're going to get rid of them. Um, do you want to do it?" 
And so, and that was how I got that gig. Right. And then she didn't really like touring, but then got offered a TV show and said, I, I want to keep the band. So they said, yeah, cool. So that was how we got that gig. Mm-hmm. And then out of that gig, I got quite a lot of stuff from people that I met through it, including, you know, t- 12 years later. Right. This most, this most recent TV show, which is, you know, maintaining relationships, you know, keeping the channels, you know, open and apparent, never changing your phone number. Right. It's the same, phone, you know, same mobile number. And then, and this gig has been, this gig was fun. Like we did six episodes in three days. So it's pretty hairy. Yeah. Um, fast paced. It's pretty, I, I get to, I get a lot. The host is a uh, lady called Lisa Tarbuck, who is like hilarious, brilliantly funny, incredibly mm-hmm. uh, British sharp wit. Mm-hmm. Um, and and she allowed me to like just kind of be a part of the of the show with her. So she asks me questions and 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 I have bits in the script and all that kind of stuff. And we right, you're the you're out. the Paul Schaefer to her Letterman. Well, yeah, hopefully, yeah. So um, I'm not That's sure I'm in. Yeah, I like well because I like fucking like I like being silly and I like having fun and I like not taking myself or anything too seriously, but but doing a good job. So you know the band sounds killing, everybody's, right. and I get this, to look down the lens of a camera and, and make silly faces on the tv on a saturday night right and this is something I, I really like about you because you've uh you know like you said you don't take yourself very seriously but you take what you do seriously um yeah and i i feel like some some musicians uh kind of confuse the two like if they're you know if they're on a gig that they're not nuts about that you know they don't feel is very high stakes um, you know, they might, they might phone it in. They might just, you know, not really show up. Um, and they sure. feel, they feel like that's not taking themselves seriously. They feel like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to define myself by this gig. I'm not going to take it seriously, but there's a difference between, you know, you know, taking yourself seriously and taking what you do seriously. I mean, I love playing the drums and, and obviously I love playing the drums on music that I really excited about. But, mm-hmm. to, I, but for me, like if you're just playing, I'm really happy. Yeah, so I, I, I can I can tune out of everything, and I'm like, man, this song is a bullshit. Like that doesn't really cross my mind. Like if somebody chose to write it, somebody chose to record it, people want to come and see somebody sing it, then that's cool. I'm totally like I don't have to love the music to love right. playing it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Totally. I, I don't. Ha- so. I'm just happy playing playing drums and 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 then and I love people. I love hanging out with people. I love shooting the shit and all that kind of stuff. And I think yeah. those are kind of the t- the two things go hand in hand. Really, if you find someone like yeah, I'm really introverted and I hate social situations. I really want to be a touring musician. Like, <laughs> I don't think you do. Do you like torpedoes <laughs> filled with farts? You're gonna sleep on one for the rest of your life. Like, what's the point? Like. I love, you know, yeah. I love, I, lo- I love going in a situation where I don't, where I don't really know anybody because right. they don't have hopefully too many preconceived things about me. And that's why I like depping on, you know, subbing on gigs, mm-hmm. you know, especially now I have another little girl. So I, I, I don't want to be away for the huge swathes of time. Yeah. But I think I have a fairly solid reputation that I, I, I'll learn the gig. I'll turn up, I, I'll play it with confidence. So it will sound good. The artist will hopefully be happy and then you know i'll get on with as many people as i can get on with for those two or three weeks and then i'll fuck off right and then i won't get stuck into your politics because i don't have to so that's really good news i don't care that the drum tech hates the production manager because they fell out 15 years ago because it doesn't it's not my it's not my social right 
Right. Do you know what I mean? I'm not, totally. I'm not angling for anybody's gig because, like, the, you know, I say to my friends, listen, if you need to sub, call me because I'm never going to steal your gig because I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to go back out for six months. I want. Right. I want to stay at home and 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 like get sick in my hair and all that kind of stuff. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's perfect. And, and so quite a lot of the people I've like, when I did the Pogues, that it was that situation, you know, and, and I got that gig because, um, my mate who was a stage manager for Muse, his wife was the tour manager for the Pogues. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I, it, it, I could have ended up getting that gig via various routes, including my brother, because he's, actually friends with one of the guys in the band but mm. it actually it, it came around through through my mate grufter and his wife zoe um so i did a month with them and it was the same thing like i get to turn up they're obviously a band an existing band right. so it's the first time they'd ever played with a drummer that wasn't the original drummer wow. he, he couldn't make that tour because he had some family uh things to to, to deal with so i got to you know got to go play with the pogues it's fucking mental you know go to japan and and go to australia for the first time and they really looked after me had a wicked time uh, did a month came back i've never seen any of them since right and that's how it goes you know and you can't get too emotionally attached that you feel sad you know i see all these people they're like oh i've got the post tour blues my family it's like <laughs> as, as much as it's you know as much as we're all amigos and all that kind of thing like I can count on my on one hand the amount of tours I've come back from, and then you know within three weeks everyone's back together again down the pub, you know right. like hey let's all be, we're going to hang out you know it's like when I was twelve and I said I was going to skateboard forever it's like I'm not I'm not skateboarding anymore you know right. what I mean like I was I was in love with it and it was amazing and it's, people do that on tour don't they like listen we're going to be brothers forever and it's right not, you know it's not realistic but once I embraced that and I knew it it's like I can go have a really good time make friends with people. And then when it finishes, you, you know, come away without being too, you know, emotionally upset. Yeah, it, it reminds me of, uh, Mark, you know, Mark Maron interviews actors all the time. And, and he used to have this misconception that, like, if, you know, if Robert De Niro was in a movie with someone, then they're like, they're still buddies. They hang out all the time. Absolutely. But it's not the case. Like, they do the movie together. They get along or not. Um, you know, they're it's, friends they're during, exactly. <laughs> right, right. Um, do, and most, most actors right? say like what you just said, like I can count on one hand, the number of people I've been in a movie with who are like actual friends in real life. Yeah. Um, and you get along with them while you're working and all that, the, but yeah, the, and these, the musos, yeah. Like the, maybe this is four, it's a four piece band. Then yeah, mm-hmm. probably going to hang. I'm going to see those guys, but you know, maybe not the caterers or the or the truck drivers or the bus drivers, or, but you might spend every day with them in part chatting or whatever. Like right. I'm sociable, but I'm just realistic, you know, like, and as far as artists goes, I'm not, um, uh, I mean, I'm not really that, I'm not that friendly with any of the artists that I've worked with. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's, I don't, I think it's a dangerous line to cross. And it goes, yeah, I'm going on holiday with the artist. Mm-hmm. Why? Don't do that because you're going to get fired at some point. Right. They're going to have an artistic change of direction or they're going to. It's, do you know what I mean? Like, I just think, you know, that you, I, I keep those relationships professional, like I'm yeah. super friendly. Like, I'm, I'm really, I'm, you know, I'd say I'm friends with one probably like Nick Kershaw. I've been doing his gig for 10 years. Like, and I, you know, I go to his birthday party and they hang out and stuff like he's my mate. Right. You know, after after a decade of doing gigs. Mm-hmm. But other than that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm friendly with them all, but I'm not. Friendly. I'm not going to call them up. I'm not going to ring them up in the middle of the night and be like, 
shit my house burned down. Can you come and lend me your car? <laughs> right, like, right. Yeah, that's a different category. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. I really, I really relate to what you were saying about just like enjoying playing drums. And like, if I'm playing backbeat, if I'm just sitting there playing two and four, I'll be happy. Um, and it, it kind of relates to, to something I realized about myself recently, which is that I care more about kind of the, the, the quality of the overall product I'm a part of more than mm. I care about what kind of product it is, you know? Yeah. Um, and I feel like the, the, the same is true for you. Um, I, uh, a couple of months ago, a buddy of mine asked me like, would you be, would you be interested in subbing on a, like an Elton John tribute show? And my first question was, well, is it a good Elton John tribute show? Because nothing will make me more miserable good, than being then. part of a, of a shitty product. Like if it's eating shit on stage, you know, yeah. that's the deal breaker for me. I don't care about genre. I don't care about the type of gig it is, whether it's uh, corporate it's or band's, club gig. the band's really good, I, yeah. I mean, like if the musicians are great, if, I mean, if no one's listening, that's fine. As long as the band's killing. Right. But it, it it, you know, I, I had a rule which was I'll ne- I never say, if I'm free I'll never say no, mm. and and I and I stuck to that until about th- two years ago, three years ago, and and now I, I just politely say I'm already working. Yep. If it if if it's if it's either a bit stinky or the money's like a, at some point you have to say no, don't you? You can't be like, hey, you want to do it? Like, no, Bob, come on. You yeah. know, but I, it, it was so ingrained in me to always just look at my diary and go, yeah, I'm free, and then. Yep. It, it took me about a year of reminding myself, you know, of sitting somewhere going, I didn't want to be here. Oh, mm. God, I did that thing again. Yep. You know, it took me a long time to get out of there. But I think if you're young or young, you know, youngish um, and, 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 and sort of new on a scene or just out of college or whatever, then like just always say yes to everything, no matter how shitty you think it's going to be. Because I've played some really shitty gigs, yeah. but made some made some great connections on them that led to some really good gigs. I right. think, God, if I had been over discerning or turned my like, I only play post fusion, you know, post post sixty three. <laughs> what is this shit? Right. Then, then I, I would have missed a whole load of opportunities mm-hmm. that came out of those other situations. So I think it, I was right to say yes to everything for, yeah. for 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 as long as I did, but also to realize there's an evolution to a career and an evolution to to a reputation and actually if it's like hey I, I saw that guy on tv with james taylor last week and now he's in this bar doing this terrible gig with these 12 year olds like <laughs> uh yeah fuck i shouldn't have i should have said no to this one you know right so, see i'm i'm at the beginning of that that kind of evolution now um where i'm i'm starting to say no to a thing or two here and there um that i just don't want to do anymore yeah. um and it feels so wrong it like every fiber of my being is like you're free why are you saying no and like you know yeah. the, the other day i had to just go to my wife and be like i'm saying no to this gig and she could tell immediately that i needed the reinforcement of like yeah, yeah you don't you're want not to be an doing asshole. It. <laughs> it's rubbish. Uh, yeah, yeah it's true and did, and did you do the elton john one uh, haven't gotten called for it. Like he, he kind of asked okay. me if if he was it was cool if he put my name in. Um, yeah, yeah, one I, of those. Said, ones. Sure, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I haven't haven't uh, heard about it yet. It's a but. big thing. It's a big thing over here. That like, uh, and, well, everywhere now, isn't it? Like the uh, sort of tribute. If I don't even, yeah. even call it tribute anymore, it's just called 
I don't know. Like I, I did one the year before last called the Dire Straits Experience. Yeah, and it's and and Chris White runs it, who's the saxophone player, and he he was in Dire Straits for uh, the whole of the um, the which tour was it? I'll get it wrong, so don't quote me, even yeah, though you're listening to me. But you know what I mean. I think <laughs> I think he did the Money for Nothing. Oh, no, he did. I think he did the Brothers in Arms tour. He did two year world tour with them. Okay, you know, so so it, it's it's legit, and the guy that does all the um, sort of nofflery stuff is amazing, mm-hmm. and the. And, and Chris Witten is the drummer who was the drummer in Dire Straits for, for a number of years yeah. and, and was Paul McCartney's drummer and, and is like an amazing, wicked right, drummer. Right. Um, so it's like, well, I'm subbing for the guy that was in it. Like this doesn't, this isn't a kind of like come to the pub and play some Beatles tunes. This is a bona fide thing. Right. Um, but I didn't know much more about it. I, I got put up. How did I get the gig? I got put up for it by the bass player who is also the bass player that in Nick Kershaw's band, Paul Geary. Um, so I went to do it and it's like I didn't really know what to expect it, they're like the smallest gig the smallest gig was about 600 the biggest gig was about 3,000 mm-hmm. it's like fucking hell that's yeah. nuts I just so they've never been on that kind of circuit and then I started digging around and talking to other people and there's a, a guy I know does an Eagles one and they, they play massive venues and there's a you know and, and a, yeah. I know a girl that sings in the in the uh, Brit Floyd, I think it's called the Pink Floyd one. And they play like fucking arenas and stuff. It's, like, it's insane. Oh. It's insane. Okay. There's there's a band here called uh, Yacht Rock Review based in Atlanta, um, and they're it's doing the same right thing. <laughs> you should check them out. It's really amazing. Um, and yeah, they're playing they're playing theaters. They're touring around. They're traveling. They're doing like super high dollar private events. Um, playing, they're playing the music they love. I mean, I mean, I'm yeah. all about Yacht Rock. It's yeah, amazing. Um, but yeah, the tribute band thing, I've done a bunch of it since, uh, since coming here and, and doing an album start to finish is also a thing. Um, I don't know if you've done much of that, but there's a, there's a, I, mean, I did it with Nick, with Nick Kershaw did it with his, but it was his album. So it didn't feel quite, it didn't feel so eggy, you know, <laughs> uh, there's a great, uh, uh, organization in Atlanta called the ATL collective. Um, and they do really like one or two shows a month. Um, right. it's, it's super frequent. Um, and it's just this huge stable of, of, you know, musicians and, you know, they'll get somebody to curate the show and kind of MD it. It's, you know, somebody different every time. And they use uh, either local people or regional people. And it's a great way to, um, you know, get get some asses in seats, sell some tickets because yeah. people want to see that record. But also they'll allow whoever's on the gig to kind of make it their own, you know, especially the lead singers or the MDs. Yeah. They'll rearrange some songs. They'll So it's it's a cool way to kind of you know, put everybody in front of an album they love, but also highlight artists who get to do their thing with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's good. Yeah. It's it's, it's, it's cool, isn't it? It just goes to show, doesn't it? That people's affiliation as in the public's affiliation is, is is so much with the song as well as the, as well as the person. And sometimes more than the person like, man, I really want to, I really want to hear at the night's all right for fine. Well, Elton John's not touring here. Well, I, I don't care. I don't want to see him sing it. I just want to see someone singing it in that style. Like, right. is enough to get people to go, here's my money. Yep. Which is like pretty, I, mean, I think it's, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? But, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's one of the, um, you know, it's one of the ways that people are coming to see live music. Um, yeah. And it's, you know. Oh, look, a drummer. Right, exactly. A human drummer. Ah. Holy shit. Um, so, yeah, it's, I mean, I think people, people have various uh, beefs with the, the trend of the of the tribute thing but as a as a musician who you know primarily makes his living playing live it's it's hard to 
uh, hard to avoid. Yeah, and and it's hard to be mad at. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I can dig it. Well, man, it was great talking to you again. Uh, it's it's great to see you. I always love talking to you. Yeah, you too, brother. I'm glad everything's going well. It, um, I'll, I'll keep you updated how I get on with this new build, and uh, I'll, I'll put some pictures up of it on the old Instagram thing. I painted the toilet blue yesterday. I was quite excited about that. <laughs> so uh, Hawaii it's, blue. It's not, not look at me, look blue. at me. It's look at my toilet. Look at my toilet. It's Hawaii blue. Beautiful. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, I keep I keep listening and stuff. I enjoy your uh, listening to the podcasts that you've been doing and stuff. I'm looking forward to listening to your 200th one. Congratulations! Yeah, thank you, man. Thanks so much. It was fun. Wicked. Well, it's thanks for talking to me, brother. And um, hopefully, I'll see you around. Yeah. Best of luck to you, man. Great talking to you. Cheers, brother. See you, man. There you go. That was Bob Knight, a bona fide character and a fixture on the London scene. Thanks to him for that talk. I recommend you follow him on Instagram. He's at Bobby Fame, and his presence there is pretty entertaining. Once again, follow us on Instagram and post pics and vids of your gigs using the hashtag WorkingDrummer. Matt Krause is back with you next week. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers.